Hey everyone, welcome to the first Christmas episode of the Bible Backdrop Podcast. Now that we are approaching Christmas, I thought it would be fun to take a closer look at the biblical story and some of the missing details around it. We all know the basics. Mary, Angel, Joseph, Augustus, Census, Bethlehem, Manger, Shepherds, Star, Magi, and Gifts. In this episode, we're going to take a closer look and learn more about Bethlehem and the Magi. The next episode, I'm going to talk about Herod and the flight to Egypt. Since I don't want to take up too much time, I'm not going to read the stories on the podcast, but we'll give you an overview. You can read them in Luke 2 and Matthew 2. Luke 2 describes the census that caused Mary and Joseph to travel to Bethlehem, and then the subsequent birth of Jesus. After his birth, the angels announced the birth to shepherds who were nearby. The shepherds then went to see the child for themselves. The story then picks up in Matthew 2, when the Magi arrive in Jerusalem, looking for the one born king of the Jews. Herod asked the chief priests and scribes where the Messiah was to be born, and they quoted the passage in Micah 5.2. Quote, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Herod sends the Magi to Bethlehem to search for the child and report back to him. They then see the star and follow it to the house where Jesus was staying. There they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. However, God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod, so they went home a different way. Wow, there is a lot to unpack here. Let's start by talking about the place of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem. The fact that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem was well known to the scholars of the day as they were able to quickly quote the passage from Micah. What is it about this little town that makes it so important? Well, in geography, Bethlehem sits about five miles or so south of Jerusalem and is the birthplace of King David. In 1 Samuel, David is anointed as king of Israel and reigns for about 40 years. God promised that from his line a savior would be born, and you can read the prophecies in Isaiah 9, 6-7, and Jeremiah 33, 14-15. However, it is important for another reason. The sacrificial lambs were born and raised here. See, Jewish men and women came to Jerusalem from all over the world for three main feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, also called the Feast of Booths, and all these feasts included sacrifices. The lambs used for these sacrifices had to be male, one-year-old, and without blemish. These were born and raised near Bethlehem in a place called Migdal Eder, literally the Tower of the Flock. The shepherds were well-trained in taking care of lambs destined for sacrifice in the temple. When a sheep was about to give birth, they were moved to a special birthing cave. When a lamb was born, they were cleansed with salt and wrapped in swaddling cloths, which are strips of linen tied together, to prevent any mishaps and have it become blemished, thereby being unsuitable as a temple sacrifice. All that being said, my research has led me to believe that Jesus was possibly born in a lamb birthing cave. Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes, which were probably nearby, to make sure he didn't move and hurt himself, then placed him in a feeding trough, the only place she could find. The cave would be kept clean so as to make sure the lambs that were born did not become blemished. When the angel announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds, it seems they knew where to go. They may even have been aware that a family with a pregnant woman had been given a place in the cave while staying in Bethlehem. This brings us to another interesting question. When was Jesus born? Well, a birthing cave was ready for use in case a sheep went into labor. 
Also, the shepherds were watching over their flocks, waiting for the same thing. They didn't want a lamb to be born outside of the caves and risk becoming blemished. Therefore, it was probably around the time that the lambs were born, which is usually in the springtime. Another question is, why did Mary and Joseph have to travel to Bethlehem? And why was there no room for them? According to Jewish custom, men and their families had to return to the home of their lineage to be counted for a census. Joseph was from the line of David, and his family was in Bethlehem. It also explains why there was no room for them. The English word used here is in, but translates more into family room or guest room. With the whole family returning to Bethlehem, there just may not have been enough room for Mary and Joseph. Another possibility is that they did stay in a house, but in the downstairs. In those days, the people would sleep on the upper floor, and the animals would sleep on the lower floor. So, while there was no room for them where the people were sleeping, they may have slept downstairs with the animals. However, it would make it more difficult for the shepherds to find the place, since they would have to go from house to house. Of course, Bethlehem was not very big, so it may not have been too hard. The bottom line to all this is pretty straightforward. The birthplace being located in Bethlehem is extremely significant. The Lamb of God, who will take away the sins of the world, is born in the same place where the sacrificial lambs are born. He is also born in the same place as David, showing his royal lineage. Finally, it fulfills the prophecy in Micah 5.2. So now, we enter in the Magi. In Matthew's Gospel, they are described as Magi from the East. Who were these men, and why were they so important? First off, the word magi comes from the Greek word magoi and could refer to priests from Persia who served in the royal court. The probability is that they were Gentiles, though some have argued that they were Jewish kings from Yemen. However, I'm not sure they would have asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Most likely, they were from Babylon or Persia. Their job in these areas is pretty well recorded. Quoting the site earlychurchhistory.org, they say, quote, in the ancient Middle Eastern world, these magi were trusted advisors to kings, were learned men proficient in the knowledge of mathematical calculations, astronomy, medicine, astrology, alchemy, dream interpretation, and history, as well as practitioners of magic and paranormal arts. They were close to the kings of Babylon and Persia. Why those areas? Keep in mind that many in Judah were carried off in exile when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians in around 586 or 587 BC. During this time, we read about Daniel, who was very influential in the court of the Babylonian and then later the Persian kings. His prophecies were probably widely known and passed down even to those who were not Jews. Plus, there was still a thriving Jewish community in these areas at the time, and they would also keep alive Daniel's words. So, what was the star that guided them? Well, we have no idea. It may have been a conjunction of planets. It could have been a supernova or even a comet. It could also be something supernatural from God. What we do know is that once they saw it, they started traveling west. Being astronomers, it may have been that when they saw the star, they looked in their records and saw some of Daniel's prophecies and that got them started. When they get to Israel, they start looking for the new king in what they know to be the capital of the country, which is why they come to Jerusalem. They probably traveled with a large retinue and would have been hard to miss. So, why are they so important? Well, first, their arrival in Jerusalem puts people on notice that the Messiah has been born, if they are willing to listen. 
The verse says that, quote, Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, end quote. People knew why they were there and who they were searching for. Of course, the reason they were troubled was because Herod was crazy, and who knows what he would have done looking for this one who had been announced as king. Herod asked the priests and scribes where the Messiah was to be born, and they quote Micah 5.2. Herod then sends the Magi to Bethlehem to find the child and asks for a report back so that he may go and worship. However, Herod is looking to kill the child, as seen by his actions later. So Herod hears, the priests and scribes hear, and I'm sure the word passed through all of Jerusalem. However, the only people to go and look are the Magi. Everyone else missed it. Second, it shows the depth and width of who Christ will redeem. Shepherds, who were at the lowest rung of society, were the first to come worship. Later, advisors to the king of Babylon show up to see the king of the Jews. These represent the very highest in society. It also shows the width in that both Jews and Gentiles come to him. It's a great portrait in that everyone is welcome to worship the king. A few final notes before wrapping up. First, we don't know how many magi there were, nor do we know their names. All we know is that they carried three gifts. And it was definitely multiple magi, and like I said earlier, they probably traveled with a large retinue. Second, what was up with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Well, the gold represents Jesus' royalty, as gold is a gift for a king. Frankincense is his deity. Frankincense is an aromatic resin used in worship. And the myrrh, his ultimate death and resurrection. Myrrh is an oil used on bodies to prepare them for burial. These were exceedingly expensive gifts. We're not sure how they were used as we know nothing beyond the story. Most likely they were used by Mary and Joseph to help pay for their flight to Egypt. On that note, I hope you enjoyed our first Christmas episode. If so, I'd appreciate it if you leave a 5-star rating and review. Again, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at biblebackdrop at gmail.com. See you next time for a look at Herod and the flight to Egypt. Have a Merry Christmas!